whereas the waiting list for many healthcare treatments is is rather long. If you want an abortion, you're going to get it uh, within days. So that there is no problem uh, with with yes. access. But more importantly, abortion isn't healthcare, and that's another thing that's just sort of slipped through here through the sort of letterbox is is construing the deliberate destruction of babies in the womb mm. by with poisons with metal tools mm. as basic healthcare. and, and yeah. her complaint is look no one's showing you a dead fetus outside where you get treated for an ankle injury well there's a reason for that hello everybody and welcome back to our podcast about abortion i believe the only uh, regular podcast in the uk on abortion thanks for joining us uh, wherever you are today i'm Joined once again by Christian Hacking. Christian, welcome back onto the podcast. Great to be here. Uh, happy return from your holidays. How did you how did you get on? Oh, went to the Isle of Wight. And yeah, I was feeling deeply refreshed. Went swimming every day. Brilliant. Tried not to speak to anyone I didn't have to speak to. And yeah, I'm feeling all the better for it. I'm feeling like a sponge that has had its kind of a dirty sponge that's been squeezed and now it's kind of ready for action again. Brilliant, brilliant. And now we're going to squeeze you uh, for all the good stuff you've been soaking up over the last few days. Um, it's been. Hopefully. When did you set off on your holidays? How, how long you, were you away? We were, we were away Saturday till Thursday. Saturday till Thursday, almost a week. They say a week is a long time in politics. I guess you, you, you left with one prime minister in, in place and you came back to, to another. Is that correct? That, yeah, that is, that is correct. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, so, but on the, on the one hand, you know, nothing's changed politically, you know, and the forces that we are fighting against have only changed hands. So Sure. Yeah. So, Deck yes, chairs I, are being rearranged. Um, yeah. But uh, the big picture, pray. perhaps not much different. But it has been said a week is a long time in politics and it has been uh, a big week in, in politics. Um, almost every day, uh, you know, a new crisis is announced i see that the latest one is um people are whinging that uh rishi sunak's not going to the next cop meeting which i thought would be meant to be every few years but it seems to be becoming more of a yearly thing and before long i guess monthly one one dreads to think about the, the carbon footprint of all these international flights coming together to to talk about how to preserve the, the environment but he's 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 um he said he's focusing on on uh bigger matters at home that's the latest thing that's that's sort of filling our headlines and filling our ears. Um, I occasionally listen to BBC Radio just to see and hear what it is that others are hearing and what others think the most important stuff happening right now is. And it was it was basically all the news stories were, were either climate related or or sort of gender studies. Um, but underneath all of that, something very significant happened over the last week or two, yeah. uh, which many people i i guess are are totally unaware of many of our listeners may not be aware of something actually historic genuinely historic uh mm. took place didn't it in parliament probably about a week ago now at time of mm -hmm. recording what was that christian what has happened um and what does it mean for our society uh okay so yeah whilst whilst all of this kind of froth has been going on on the surface uh, an amendment, NC11, was introduced uh, to uh, this latest uh, bill, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of the second 
Bilovic's kind to come in in the last six months, uh, putting further restrictions on protests, giving more power to policemen to dictate how protests should be conducted. Um, and an amendment was brought in, which basically um, is a amendment trying to introduce nationwide buffer zones around abortion clinics. And this was Rupa Huck's uh, kind of uh, brainchild. Um, she'd uh, attempted to bring it in at numerous points and withdrawn it um, because uh, she feared she'd be defeated. She's done that numerous times over the last uh, three or four years. Um, but she gave it to her colleague, Stella Creasy, and now that she's been dis disgraced um, momentarily for of a black person, and, and now, uh, so it got handed to Stella Creasy and it was voted in by a uh, whopping majority. Um, and, and part of the reason for that is because the Conservatives uh, decided to make this a conscious vote. So they didn't whip on it. They didn't ask their, uh, the Conservative Party members to, to vote mm. against it. And so, yeah, the bill basically uh, uh, will bring in buffer zones about 150 meters in uh, a diameter around all abortion clinics in the country. Um, and the purpose of them is to prevent any act which interferes with, that's a quote, or um, seeks to influence, uh, persistently, continuously or repeatedly occupies, impedes or threatens, intimidates or harasses, but this is when it gets really dodged on points E, F, and G of point three of this amendment, and um, which it basically will make it illegal to advise or persuade, attempt or advise or persuade, or otherwise express opinion uh, within of these zones, um, or um, point F, inform or attempt to inform about abortion services by any means, including without limitation to graphic, physical, verbal, or written means. Um, and then it also prohibits sketching, photography, recording, stores, broadcast, transmitting images, audio likenesses, or personal data uh, without explicit consent. So, so whilst it's legal to take pictures or draw paintings of anyone um, uh, in a public space, within these zones, uh, these, these acts will be specifically um, prohibited. Um, so, so this, uh, and, and unlike the previous um, PSPOs, which exist in five places in the country already, uh, which are uh, in introductory order, Ealing, Richmond, Manchester, um, Birmingham, Bournemouth, and now in Reading. Um, unlike those PSPOs, which are basically a localized law introduced by the council, that means you'll incur a fine if you break them. Uh, this new bill will bring in a prison sentence of six months, not exceeding six months for first time offenders and not exceeding two years uh, for a peat offender. So really upping the ante, really trying to squeeze uh, any, you know, attempt to um, kind of persuade women that abortion may not be in their interests or in the interests of their baby who will be killed in that abortion procedure. Um, what's interesting about it is a prayer, which indeed silent prayer, which has been present in PSPO legislation um, is not uh, visible um, in, in kind of written form in this amendment in its current form. Um, whether that will come in, I, I don't know, but, but in my attempt to scanning through the bill, I, I can't, I think they've, they've removed silent prayer, but, but obviously with words like occupy, um, 
you know, or pers yeah, persistently, continuously, or repeatedly occupy or seek to influence, they they may seek to kind of uh, kind of insert prayer in that, mm. um, which which will be interesting if they attempt that because it's a kind of spirit, it's a concession that prayer does <laughs> does influence mm. uh, things. Mm. So it's interesting in a secular age as to mm. why prayer is so threatening, but um, yeah, yeah. So that this is this this is the bill. So it'll be nationwide buffer zones. Currently in the UK, there's 362 or 363 um, abortion clinics. So so presumably uh, these these will be brought in uh, around them. Unlike the Northern Irish bill, which is similar in nature, bringing buffer zones. Um, it sounds like these clinics won't necessarily need to consent that this kind of buffer zone will kind of uh, kind of drop from the sky overnight. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, very interesting times for freedom of speech. Um, and, and this very kind of niche pro-life freedom of speech issue, uh, which, which, you know, everyone has done their utmost to kind of avoid in the press. And even, even uh, groups like the Free Speech Union set up by Toby Young, you know, slightly tetchy of kind of, you know, being heavy handed on this issue. I mean, with, with 360 such zones potentially uh, being introduced into our land. I calculated that seven for every Church of England diocese in the country. That's an average uh, statistic, not a kind of, you know, county by county. I mean, this is going to clearly make its way up uh, mm. the free speech hierarchy. And I should think that this will, especially if if people decide after exhausting legal process to engage in these zones actually become the kind of the owners for for the hottest free speech debates mm. in our country as as um and and what's really interesting about it is it's not simply you know the expressive rights of uh the people choosing to gather to pray to bear witness to the killing of you know 214,000 unborn babies a year across these clinics but it's actually also the right of women accessing the clinics to actually receive information if they choose to consent to it so it goes both ways and, and there's going to be an interesting rub with the feminist arguments you know which on the one hand says that women are you know should be infantilized like toddlers and protected from any group of people gathering with any intention in public peacefully you know uh with this idea that no women are strong independent mm. they don't need men that they should be able to occupy all the same spaces conduct all the same roles um, and they're just as robust, right? So, so, so there's, 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 there's so much opportunity in this legislation um, for that kind of debate. But should be said, um, as a legal lawyer recently advised us, there is a possibility with all this shakeup in government and the potential of a snap election or whatever that that this may never uh, actually come in. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's really it's very hard to say exactly how this is going to play out at this stage. Mm. Mm. Yeah, thank you. We'll we'll we'll, we'll reserve uh, sort of comment uh, and, and judgment on, on most of those points until after we play our our clip in a second because we're going to listen to Stella Creasy's uh, reaction, aren't we, um, to this and her support for this amendment uh, in Parliament. But just before that, just just want to draw out a couple of things you said just by way of clarification so that people understand what's going on here. So, so firstly. This is expressly banning any attempts to influence in any way. We're not talking about coercive influence only. We're not talking about harassment or intimidation. We're not talking about acts of violence. All of those are already um, illegal 
everywhere in the UK. That's not zonal. That's that's universal. You, you, you're not allowed to harass or intimidate anyone anywhere. Uh, the rhetoric that we will hear in a moment and we hear all the time is that this is about harassment and intimidation outside abortion clinics. Categorically, that has never happened. That doesn't happen in the UK. How can I say that? Because if it had, there would have been arrests already. Mm -hmm. um, Anti-abortion presence outside these clinics is very carefully um, watched um, there there are cctv cameras there are, there are staff and others who are who are you know just almost praying for our downfall and if we had ever put a foot wrong there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that there would have been an arrest there never has been which proves there never has been uh, any harassment or intimidation this is there's actually a very funny moment in in stella's speech we're going to listen to in a moment which uh, picks up on this this point the inconvenient uh, truth that there never has been any malpractice by the pro-lifers and how annoying that is um but just to clarify this is seeking to influence in any way this includes peaceful prayer uh because that's that's pe if people are gathering together so it includes um right to assembly uh it's any kind of offering of information or even free support um and and this is truly unique isn't it there is no other public space that i'm aware of in the uk where assembly or speech or um offering of information or anything like that is banned in anything like the same way I, i'm not aware of any any place in the uk where you're, you're not allowed to offer opinion on certain things if it's public land um it's fair game uh, so this really is uh, a unique and historic moment in the uk and of course once these zones exist anywhere there is the potential that they can they can grow and so the question for people to consider is you know what's going to be the next opinion or, or the next location um that gets uh, censored in this in this way so this this should be a canary in the mine for the free speech union and others who care about free speech but as you say they get a bit nervous when it comes to this issue another thing i just want to uh, pick up on and, and clarify is um there was no party whip for this whereas in previous attempts uh, there was isn't that right so, yeah, so, this, so this has been so, attempted before yeah so so in previous attempts it's been clear that, that it's against a conservative principle to ban people from expressing their opinion or their religion in a public space peacefully that that's just been totally inappropriate to all things conservative. uh you know, even in the shifting sands of over decades um so so what's interesting is, you know, and, and you could tell something was amiss in this debate because everyone kept on thanking the Home Secretary saying, oh, thank you for making this a conscientious issue. Thank you yeah, for not yeah, winning yeah. on this. You know, this yeah. is wonderful. So if you're being praised by, you know, members of the radical left and, and, and avid supporters of the abortion genocide, you know something has gone horribly wrong. Mm. Um, mm. And and it was, a you know, it was a, you know, with everything that Truss was going through, I guess it was a a moment of weakness that may, if this bill comes through, you know, actually um, be incredibly damaging mm, uh, for, mm. for freedom of speech and, and most of all for the babies. But I think the thing I always come back to before we uh, get onto this stellar um, speech is it's just the spiritual significance that where where was prayer mm. um, and and religious expression first curbed um, strongly with criminal sanctions in the UK? Well, it was in the same places where we were sacrificing children. And I, I just anyone listening to this, I'm going to keep repeating this as long as I've got breath in my lungs, um, because this is so 
um, this is so uh, elementary in, in understanding what's going on here from a spiritual perspective that, that in the very place where we're offering our children to the gods of the age, um, to the idol of fear, of career, of you know, just pure power under some, some circumstances, this is where um, mm. prayer is being most uh, heavily censored um, and other things. So, so I think mm. that's, you know, and and your and and the spiritual reality of this, I think, plays out in some of the incredibly weak reasoning you see mm -hmm. as to why this was introduced. Yeah, and just before we play the clip, um, <clears throat> one last thing is traditionally abortion itself has been a uh, a conscience issue. Um, certainly in the Conservative Party, I think actually in both both the major parties, I think I think across the board, people have been free to vote on uh, abortion as they feel led. But a sort of a sleight of hand that's taken place here is that even within the Conservative Party, that's been sort of that that approach has been transferred onto this, which is actually a freedom of speech issue. So that this is not about access to abortion. Whatever anyone says, these women can already access abortion. They can do so without being harassed or intimidated. The law already provides all of that. Mm. So there's been a kind of a, 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 a sort of a, a sleight of hand, a sort of a mincing of words to suggest that this is about access to abortion. Therefore, it should be a conscience issue, whereas actually it's a freedom of speech issue. Mm. Uh, and and therefore, certainly the Conservative Party, at the very least, should have stood firmly against this. But as you say, a very weak moment in Liz Truss's uh, premiership and and the other side saw that they saw a weakness she didn't have the the sort of the numbers the strength to whip and so uh this went through so christian you're going to play us now aren't you um an extract from the parliamentary debate uh if you can call it a debate of course um others did speak up against it but um but uh, we're just going to listen to stella creasy's um response and just for anyone who doesn't know stella creasy is a a labor member of parliament for walthamstone and she um, is uh, an avid supporter of abortion. Um, and here she is promoting this amendment. A second time. Oh, Stella Creasy. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. Uh, I rise to support all the amendments put in the name of my front bench. Uh, and particularly to move new clause 11 and also new clauses 13 and 14. Um, I want to put on record my gratitude to the Minister for respecting the convention that when it comes to issues around abortion, they are matters of, con of con conscience. And new clause 11 is a matter about abortion. Because let's be honest, there is nobody praying outside the places where you get a hip operation. There is nobody offering you rosary beads or dead fetuses outside the places where you might go for an ankle injury. This is about women accessing a very specific form of healthcare, and it is about access. And that goes to the heart of this piece of legislation. And whatever the merits of this piece of legislation, it is about protest. But the point at which you are accessing an abortion, you have made a decision, and you are not opening yourself up for a debate, for further discussion. You simply, and often in a very vulnerable state, want to be able to access a basic healthcare. New Clause 11 does not stop free speech on abortion. It does not stop people protesting. To protest, it do nothing stop the protest that I have experienced from many of the people who are involved in this. 
It simply says that you shouldn't have a right to do that in the face of somebody, and very often these people are right up in front of people, at a point when they have made a decision. For all of us who defend free speech, there is a very simple point about free speech, is it's not free if 50% of the conversation feels harassed, feels that they have made a decision and they wish to move on. And what this amendment does, and it's a very, very tightly drawn amendment, and I pay tribute to the very hard work of my colleague from Ealing and others across the House on this in making sure we have the right legislation, is it sets out a very clear parameter for how free speech can be both upheld and also everybody in that conversation can have their rights upheld. But it's not about picking one side or the other. And I would simply say to the Minister, with many of the other things that this bill is trying to do, it would seem egregious to many of us to single out women for not having that balance be upheld. But what this amendment does is uphold that balance. So you do not have to be a supporter of abortion to believe, frankly, there is a time and place to have that conversation, but it is not when you're dealing with vulnerable women. Now, let us deal with some of the arguments people make as to why it's not necessary. And I heard the minister talk about PSBOs, and I'm sorry this is the first time we've had this debate, because I'd love to talk to them about my experience of them. Some suggest this is a very minor issue. It isn't. We know through the research that has been done every year, 100,000 women who are trying to access abortion services for various reasons, including those women who have had miscarriages and therefore need to have an abortion, are targeted by these protesters. That is half of all women attending these clinics. This is not a minor issue, nor is it a localised issue. The kind of protesting we're talking about can range from people being given plastic fetuses, people being offered to pray over them, people being filmed, people being shouted at, people being called mum or murderer, people being told that somebody will pray for them, to rethink their lifestyle. The point of these protests, as the protesters themselves admit, is not benign. It is not to mark the fact that you have made a decision, but it's to try and change your decision at a point when you have already made that choice. I want to pay tribute to Sister Supporter, who have worked with people on the ground to try and protect those women who've made that choice, do now wish to access a service in peace, in privacy, without somebody next to them, trying to tell them they've got to rethink a decision that they've made, often a very painful personal decision, because they have tried to make the PSPO process work. And that is why we have so few PSPOs in this country, because it is an expensive, complicated, long-winded process. And I know my colleague from a former year in Colchester would say, it requires proof that women are being harassed before we act. So it simply says that we have to find evidence that people are being harassed. We already have to admit that this intimidation and harassment is taking place. There is no other part of the law where we say for healthcare, you have to admit that you're being harassed before we might intervene. We recognise that access to healthcare is an important issue. Local authorities have to spend thousands of pounds to get these PSPOs, often depending on them repeatedly in the courts. Yet, as we've heard by the numbers, this is a national issue and therefore it requires a national solution. And frankly, it requires for our local authorities and the local police who then have to police them, us to support them, to not say that it's acceptable that only Ealing, Bournemouth, Manchester and Twickenham have managed to go through this process. Thank my colleague from Wexel um, <laughs> for his intervention. Um, whilst I would not deign to comment on conservative principles or indeed to set them out, although I would have the free speech to be able to do so, I share his recognition that this is about balancing 
the rights. And it is an, it's an omission in this legislation because this is such a specific issue. And let me be clear, the reason why PSPOs don't work, but the reason why this amendment is about abortion is it's very tightly drawn about abortion clinics themselves. I was subject at 28 weeks pregnant to sustained campaigns in my town centre. People who put up pictures of my head next to dead babies told my constituents to stop me, incited anger intimidation. This would not be covered by that. That is the free speech debate we might want to have another day. Perhaps if they'd thrown a can of tomato soup at me, the police might have not seen it as a both sides now conversation. This is something different. These women have not put themselves up for debate. Obviously, I hadn't put them on child at fate, which is what those protesters felt they could do. But this is about when you want to actually access an abortion. It specifies in this legislation to abortion clinics. It's not more broad than that, because this is a very specific problem. And the challenge in this place is we can dance about the pin of the head, having theoretical debates, and then our constituents see the reality. They see the people shouting at these women. They see the women who are frightened, who are scared, who are vulnerable, who just want to make a decision in peace, uh, who just want, as my colleague says, to go about their business. And that is why this amendment has such support, both across the House, but also amongst the Royal Colleges, amongst those who work with women in campaigners, particularly organisations uh, like the British Medical Association and the Fawcett, society why there's been such an occurring inbox and joy inbox because you don't have to be a supporter of abortion to think actually at that point we probably need to protect that person you do need to be a supporter of abortion to think that if there is something that is stopping women or designed to deter them at a point when they've made a decision to have an abortion we need to step in and not leave it to local authorities to find the money to be able to cover the court costs or even for that to be part of the decision that they are making so i understand that the minister is going to talk against this. He needs to explain why, when 50 clinics have been targeted, only five have managed to get PSPOs, because the current legislation isn't satisfactory in drawing that balance. It leaves it to chance. It creates a postcode lottery of the protection. I think whether you support abortion or not, or whether you think it's free speech or not, people still recognise is required. I ask the minister to listen to women. Women in their droves are asking for this protection for their sisters who are making this decision. Don't shout at them when they're accessing it. Let them make that decision in their privacy. And if you consider abortion to be a human right, don't ask them to run a gauntlet to get one, which is what is happening now. So I hope colleagues across the House will recognise the thought and care and attention that has gone into this amendment, the widespread support across the House for acting and for not leaving it to local authorities to have to deal with these issues. And the recognition that the abortion debate must continue, but there is a time and place for it. Wow, there we go. I didn't have a clicker to hand, but uh, if you were to count the number of um, factual errors, um, deliberate slanders and 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 false claims, it, it would be a high number. We're not going to be able to hit them all, but... Let's just uh, start by looking, Christian, at the way in which she describes uh, this this work outside clinics. Yeah. What? What's what? This is is this is this our, is this um, immediate assumption? This is what she starts with: harassment and intimidation. Mm. This yeah. is 
these are the two famous words that have been used on this and and they talk about harassment and intimidation that is going on outside of clinics and then they talk about the public support for ending harassment and intimidation mm -hmm. outside of clinics and it's no surprise because if you go up to members of the public and say people are being harassed and intimidated outside mm -hmm. of abortion clinics um are you for that or against that everyone goes i'm against that of course yeah. i'm not for that and if you then tell them well it's going on and the police are doing nothing about it of course you're going to grow people's appetite for some kind of imposing law on the matter mm. but the point remains that no harassment and intimidation mm. by any objective legal standard is going on yeah and, yep. and i spoke to someone i was at the i was at the um march for life uh you know 55 year memorial event yesterday and i spoke to a member an academic who who writes in favor of abortion and i said to her you know how do you understand that and she said she said well in a she said something along these lines she said that in a uh, a world where space is engendered uh being being you know uh, and that in the public space you know there is expert different expectations upon women than there are upon men that women are told that the public space is unsafe and that they need to be careful and they need to, keep, they need to travel together and with a close um grasp on their possessions to see a group of people outside of a clinic is by very nature harassment and intimidation it's intimidating for them so so this is what you've got is you've got a a, a convoluted uh um kind of therapeutic very psychologically uh kind of based um, kind of new definitions of what harassment are and then you, mm. you get this outrageous conclusion at the end that harassment intimidation is going on and then mm. that uh that kind of conclusion um, is then kind of put as the headline and it's not challenged. And then, yeah. and then Stella at the end of this speech has, has the audacity to say that this has all been really carefully, yeah. you know, uh, this has been um, thoughtfully and careful, you know, real care to attention on this bill. Mm. There's no care. Mm. There's no care. There's no objective test going into this. Indeed, the accusation is that for years there has been some kind of um, low-level form of harassment and intimidation that has been going on that isn't being picked up by the law. So therefore, heavy-handed law now needs to come down and scoop it up. Mm. Um, mm. So the, 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 the whole premise is, is off uh, right um, from the start. The word I think she uses most frequently to describe these activities outside clinics is shouting. She used that word shout at least three times. Um, and again, I'm I'm prepared to say that never happens. I mean, I, I've been outside clinics dozens of times. And uh, apart from us, we're just showing pictures. We talk to people who want to talk. Um, apart from us, the, the other groups that, that go outside clinics are generally praying, often silently, a small group of people. Um, they also may engage individuals going past who want to engage. I've never seen anyone shout. I mean, we don't shout anywhere. Um, I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's the right approach. Even if people were shouting, that's still not a crime. It's not It's not a crime to shout. I don't think it's a good idea. But shouting in and of itself isn't even a crime. But for her to characterize the work in that way so consistently, it, it, ju mm. it just shows how desperate they are. Because the actual case for banning free speech is so weak that you have to make up a problem that that isn't there. Um, so, yeah... Total misconstruing of of what this this is, you know, call it, calling it running the gauntlet, you know, running the gauntlet. Oh. It, I mean, I mean, you know. they, they literally make it out like 
um, trying to access an abortion in the United Kingdom is like appearing on the the kind of 1990s game show Gladiator. Mm. They, they literally that that's the impression. Read what Stella Creasy says or what Kathleen Moran says in the Times or a bunch of other authors. You know, they literally make it out like pro-lifers are are standing like wolf. You mm-hmm. know, with ginormous you know yeah. um, kind of cushioned you know. Um, kind of ear, what they're like, they're almost like um, cotton buds, yep. you know, and and they're literally gonna wearing spandex. They're gonna try mm. and stop mm. uh, a mm. woman accessing the clinic, and she's kind of she's got to don her mouth guard, and and she's got to run through this gauntlet with mm-hmm. a kind of a Welsh referee adjudicating mm. in the background. This is the this is the kind of uh, language that they resort to mm. uh, in order to make their case, and nobody is challenging it mm. um, because this is all um, because this is it, you know being wrapped up in the ideology of pro-choice, women's sexual reproductive autonomy, etc. It's it's kind of unchallengeable claims uh, that are utterly um, false and utterly ludicrous because yep. any such barrier, it's it's illegal in our country to even block a walkway. Yeah. Right. Not not even a road to block a walkway is a crime. So clearly people are not being obstructed mm. in any way. And look at the abortion figures and you'll see that abortion is at an all time high. So so this idea that this law needs to come in to somehow increase access or maintain access mm. is utterly ludicrous. And, and to assume that, you know, um, that anyone is being made to run a gauntlet um, uh, other than potentially walk past a group of praying grannies. Yeah. Um, is yeah also totally fictitious, and and in fact, uh, if anything, it's the other way around. You know, you and I have both been in situations where uh, we've been doing our educational displays, for example, and the what we have received from pro-abortion activists has been certainly shouting, often swearing, often vandalism. Um, I'm going to talk about that in our next week's episode. Um, and in, in, and in a few rare cases, physical violence. So, so if anything, there should be a buffer zone around pro-life activism to protect our peaceful work because it's always that way around. We're always the ones being harassed and intimidated. And I do use those terms uh, advisedly and deliberately. Um, but yes, let's talk as well about this idea. It's, it's about access. And Stella said that a number of times. This is about access. Um, it really isn't. These women are able to access uh, an abortion as easily as as well, in fact even easier than accessing any other number of um of so-called healthcare treatments because um whereas the waiting list for many healthcare treatments is is rather long if you want an abortion you're going to get it uh, within days so that there is no problem yeah. uh with yes. with access but more importantly Abortion isn't healthcare, and that's another thing that's just sort of slipped through here, through the sort of letterbox, is is construing the deliberate destruction of babies in the womb mm. by, with poisons, with metal tools, mm. as basic healthcare. And, and yeah. her complaint is, look, no one's showing you a dead fetus outside where you get treated for an ankle injury. Well, there's a reason for that, because getting treated for an ankle injury is healthcare, whereas killing a baby is not healthcare. Mm-hmm. So she, she sort of complains that, that abortion clinics are being singled out. Well, of course they are, because abortion clinics are the only place in the UK where something under the guise of healthcare and using the NHS budget is is actively killing innocent people. It mm. is the very opposite of healthcare. And that's another thing we mustn't allow to just sort of slip unnoticed, is one of the, the most significant lies of our age. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and well, again, it's a, it's an argument that no one is, and certainly not Stella Quisa would ever give track for, um, or give any space or airtime to, is is standing outside of an abortion clinic is a way of harm prevention, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to prevent a baby from being intentionally poisoned, sucked up, decapitated, disemboweled, beheaded, and discarded. Mm. Um, and you're also trying to prevent um, huge physical and psychological damage uh, to to the women, right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is pregnancy is not inherently unhealthy, mm-hmm. right? Pregnancy, you know, women women biologically are designed to be able to get pregnant, and from the majority of women, pregnancy is a pleasant and wholesome experience of course there are uncomfortable side effects and of course you've got um you know uh you know you've got the extreme cases of preeclampsia and other um negative potential impacts of pregnancy but for most people pregnancy is a healthy thing it's not something to be um avoided it's not a it's not a disease that needs to be treated um in any way but when you when you deliberately stop a pregnancy by an abortion you disrupt this biological process you know these abortion pills are known to be incredibly potent you know causing dizziness nausea vomiting diarrhea cramps pain bleeding for up to 13 days afterwards they have a failure rate of of six percent so one in 17 women requiring hospital treatment as a result you've got you've got um uh, surgical abortions, you know, the scraping out of the inside of the uterus once the baby has been killed and pulled out, you know, and, and links between this and placenta pravia, um, you, uh, a future preterm delivery, numbers, lots of women claim um, anecdotally that it led to infertility. Some women claim that it leads to endometriosis. And the, the one thing that you're not allowed to talk about or discuss is by interrupting when a woman's body is pregnant and uh, her, not only her uterus, but her breasts are grow, um, growing in preparation to provide nutrients for for the child. If you interrupt that process, um, it also leads to future breast cancer. Right, and that's a, a highly contested claim that's definitely going to get us an NHS banner on this podcast, um, saying from YouTube, you know, here's the facts about DIY abortion. But but I'll link, we'll include in the description, um, you know, longitudinal studies internationally um, from countries that um, are more honest about their abortion statistics, and it shows that the majority of international meta-analysis studies conclude that there is a link between abortion and future breast cancer, and it makes biological and the- theoretical sense that there should be because all these cells are growing they're multiplying they're getting ready for this baby and suddenly there's no baby and those cells don't know what to do and and obviously um can be more inclined in that vulnerable situation to start metastasizing and, and growing into a cancer so so again you know this idea that abortion is treatment uh and healthcare is nonsense abortion is harmful it takes the life of the baby and it's harmful for women's health it is it is a a a violent and sudden interruption of a biological process um mm. that is being ended unnaturally mm. um so yeah so and and and, and one of the greatest contrasts that makes the point is talk to vegan protesters right where are they where did where do mm. vegan protesters focus their attention well they go to the abattoirs they go mm. outside of the abattoirs and they bear witness to these animals just before they go in for slaughter and guess what the abattoirs have to maintain their right to do it and the police have to maintain their right to do it and they go right up to the border of um of the abattoirs mm. um, and some some of the truck drivers even intentionally stop mm. uh, for a few minutes to allow 
these these uh, vegan activists to climb the animals to photograph the animals to mm -hmm. evidence what's going on before they pass into clinics mm -hmm. there's a deep respect for yep. freedom of expression um even if it's a nuisance even if it's disruptive even if it makes people feel awkward outside of abattoirs um yet with abortion clinics there's no such uh you know there's no such uh concessions no yeah. such willingness to to uh find a a kind of uh, compromise between the two groups. It's just, you can't be there. Your very existence is wrong, harassment, intimidation. You've got to go and six months to two years prison sentences for those who disobey. Mm. Yeah, so when Stella says, you know, this is about everyone having their rights upheld. This is about a balance. This is about protecting the person. Of course, in none of this is she showing any regard whatsoever for the unborn child. And if we want to talk about running the gauntlet, you know, back in the day, what that meant was, you know, passing between two lines of soldiers and they'd sort of whip you as you as you go past. Well, the only the only well, the primary uh, victim here uh, of the act of violence is is obviously the baby. The baby is being attacked with poison, with metal implements, whatever, uh, and is left dead. And the woman also is often harmed. So what we're talking about here is um a, an egregious shifting of attention away from the actual crime, the actual violence, the one who's really being harassed, mm. uh, and making up a fake sort of uh, problem uh, as a distraction, and indeed to take away uh, what is often the last ditch uh, opportunity for the real victim to get help, and the secondary mm. victim, by which I mean the woman, also to get help. And, and on that point, Stella's very keen to assert again and again that these women have already made their decision. Yeah. She says that a number of times. They've already made their decision. And therefore, she's trying to suggest that, you know, these people are trying to um, ignore that or deny that or, or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but tell us the facts. Have, have, have women already made their decision on the way to an abortion clinic? Uh, absolutely not is the short answer to this and 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 very simple uh, a bunch of questions you can ask are 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 there any testimonies of of women who have changed their mind outside of an abortion clinic the answer is yes right the good council network who operate outside of uh the ealing abortion clinic which is one of the first the first abortion clinic being in a buffer zone between 2012 um and 2018 they saved 611 babies Right? And, they, and they evidence these babies with their names and their birth weights in their Christmas newsletter. Okay, these are these are women that they've worked closely with. Many of them foreign nationals because these people are not eligible to NHS support. These people feel like they have no choice uh, but to kill their children in the womb. And this they work with them and they can evidence the positive impact uh, that they're having. Okay, so so okay, so if if people if all women have made their minds up, why did 611 women between mm. 2012 and 2018 turn around on the on the door? of the Ealing abortion clinic. Okay, we've got um, uh, Alina Dilagurio. Um, forgive me, Alina, if you're listening to this and I've, I spelt your, um, pronounced your name wrong. Uh, I think she's from Romania originally. She um, runs a campaign called Be Here For Me. Mm. And in her testimony uh, that she's given, public testimony, and I think some of this is from the court of law because she's been challenging the Ealing thing. She says, the day I made my way to the abortion facility, this is a quote, was the darkest day my heart had ever known. All I needed was help until I gave birth. A lady, all I needed was help until I gave birth, full stop. 
a lady and a leaflet, full stop. That's all it took. Right there on the steps of the abortion center, from all that darkness, at last I felt hope. I felt for the first time that my child was wanted, not only by me, but also by complete strangers. For the first time, I felt that I was not walking alone on the day I was meant to end the life within me, my child. I cannot express the joy and how fulfilled I felt as a woman, as, as a mother, to be given the chance to have my child. Um, a just and caring society doesn't criminalize people for offering help to vulnerable mothers. Okay, so that's Incredible. this is this is the, this lady one testimony. Okay, last night um, on our join the movement call, um, a person shared their testimony again, unsure, um, you know, was going to go for an abortion, changed their mind, and an amazing story um, of life that followed from that. We we had the story. CBI UK had the privilege of knowing a woman who who went into the abortion center. She gowned up she was on the table but the image that we were able to impart to her made her change her mind she she didn't want to go through it she came back downstairs and then you've got all the diy abortion testimonies you know you can go on um www.careforwomen.co.uk you've got the testimonies of something and something about um, a medical abortion decision and that was kind of cajoled into it by what what at the time were her friends um and and you've also got Dermot um, O'Kinnon, uh, who runs the abortion reversal service, right? You know, I think it's around 30 babies. I saw him yesterday. He said a baby was born just yesterday uh, or just two days ago as a result of that abortion pill reversal. And, and what's the testimony of these mothers? They take the first abortion pill, instant regret. What am I doing? I don't want to do this. I don't want to kill my child. How do I stop this? They search online. Um, and by the grace of God, they find, you know, um, you know, truly altruistic uh, medics, professionals who under the Samaritan Act of medicine, you know, are able to use their services to save life. And, and this is this is happening time and time again. So so if abortion was such a decided matter, why do we have all these uh, stories of changed minds, of yeah. instantaneous regret? Why do we have stories of people walking out of abortion clinics? You know, why? Why is it? Um, you know, that we, they talk so much about, you know, women being made to feel upset or conflicted going into the abortion centers. Why is it that it is the repeat testimony of, of nurses in the abortion clinics that post-procedure, everyone's crying, everyone's crying, right? And then they try to separate post-procedure patients with those going into the procedure because, because abortion is a devastating procedure that wounds and harms, right? So, so you've kind of, you know, all of this combined uh, you know, shows that what is being spouted is, is spun together is an absolute mm. lie. Um, mm. And it's a sticky one, just like a spider's web. It's a sticky lie because people kind of believe it. It plays into this notion of of robust feminist wooden, wooden womanhood, you know, decisive. Mm. I made my mind up. You know, I don't need any additional help. I don't need any support. I don't need any more information. I'm cool. Let me get on with it. Mm. Utter nonsense. Mm. Of course, there's going to be women that you can get to say that. Um, and of course, you're going to be able to get women to um, say, no, that really wasn't the case. But, wh but where's the mean? Where's, where's the grouping? Where, where are most women actually at? And, and if it's true that some, as some abortion campaigners say, you know, that no woman wants to have an abortion, I would suggest that the average grouping in this is far more towards indecision, far more towards hoping the boyfriend's going to come through, far more towards hoping, you know, uh, that um, support will be extended to them so that they don't have to go through this. And, and this is where the public debate has to shift. Mm. And this is where we need women to come forward and share their testimonies to shift this, this ludicrous um, assertion that's being gobbled up uh, by the mainstream to, to the far more realistic one of, mm. um, 
really uh, we, you know, the far more realistic one being like people are undecided and um, people outside of clinics actually interferes with abortion profits, abortion yeah. um, targets. And, you know, and I haven't even gone into the CQC reports from 2017, which says, you know, that, that, that abortion was being incentivized, that women were being treated like cattle, et cetera. You know, you know, the, the, the far more realistic scenario in a broken world um, in which we live is that women are undecided they're being coerced and cajoled into abortions for various reasons they feel under huge amounts of pressure and actually one old person handing out a, a lifeline really does make a big difference in their life and it's a tiny ray of hope in an incredibly dark situation and it, even if they don't go through with it it certainly causes conviction and double thinking um etc i think that's a far more realistic proposition than 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 what stella's presenting of mm. people totally made their mind up um, they they want to go through with it. They don't need any um, interference whatsoever. I think that's far, far less likely uh, than what I'm presenting. And let's be absolutely clear, what Stella is doing here and, and what this law is doing is it's showing the, the true colours of the abortion lobby. It's not pro-choice. It is anti-choice. They are expressly trying to remove options from these women. They are denying women access to information denying women access to support which we know that many women have availed themselves of so this is this is so clearly anti-choice it's so clearly pro-abortion and the whole aim of it is to make sure that no savable baby is saved no reachable woman is reached it's all about isolating that woman taking her away from any support which is not coercive it's just an offer but it's, it's denying the woman even access to that. It's profoundly anti-choice. And, and that's really what this, this bill is about. This amendment is against choice, against freedom, against options. And, it's, uh, and, and it is deeply infantilizing to women. You, you, I think you mentioned this already, but there's this kind of, there's this real wedgie uh, that the that the kind of that the, the abortion lobby's caught on because on the one hand they've got this we trust women campaign which suggests that sort of women are are basically infallible and whatever they do is right mm-hmm. uh, and they're, they're they're empowered they're grown up they're you know whatever but then on the other hand they're clearly trying to suggest here that women cannot handle information and facts and and mm. a non-coercive offer of of help or support so they mm. they're really they, they they want it both ways they, they, mm-hmm. they, they want these sort of infallible strong uh, women who are always doing what's morally right for them uh, but on the other hand they're, they're suggesting they they can't handle um the offer of information or or support and of course the reason none of this makes sense is uh what's really going on here is not about what's in the best interests of women let alone the babies mm-hmm. it's about what's in the interests of the abortion lobby it's about what's in the interests of increasing the numbers the money the stronghold uh that this so-called abortion this baby genocide uh has on our nation mm-hmm. but can we can we move on now just to um the freedom of speech issue itself so so stella mentioned pspos now can you just uh explain for us what what is a pspo okay um, What's the deal there? Um, so a PSPO stands for a Public Space Protection Order. Uh, they got introduced as a subclause of the 2014 uh, Policing Act, which basically gave, uh, kind of took powers um, 
gave powers that previously were held by the police to local councils to kind of lay down the law. And certainly a number of busybody councils around the country have really uh, taken uh, these on in a big way. Now, normally PSPOs are, are designed to kind of prevent public nuisance. Uh, and so, for example, dogs defecating in park, you know, homeless people drinking in children's playgrounds, or um, I've, I've seen one used to prevent, you know, a nuisance parking outside of a school, etc. So they're kind of they're they're basically legislation to prevent uh, nuisance, antisocial behaviour within of a particular space. So it basically and it, and they criminalise kind of what would otherwise be be non-criminal behaviour within of a certain space. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is they've been used in recent years uh, around abortion clinics uh, to silence uh, people um, entering. Uh, you know, trying to. Uh, uh, basically, the the phrase, the wording is, tends to be something like this: you know, um, any act of approval or disapproval of abortion mm-hmm. services within about 150 meter radius around an abortion clinic, and and they've really gone through some of the largest abortion clinics in the country, starting mm-hmm. with Ealing in in South um, in West London, and then Twickenham outside the Richmond BPAS clinic, and then up to Manchester, and and now just before this uh, this legislation came through, um, a load of them came in very very quickly from Birmingham. Uh, Bournemouth one, interestingly, Bournemouth have thrown out the 150 meter uh, rule. They, they've introduced one that is 115 times the size of a football pitch around their Bournemouth clinic. Um, and subsequently, they've then put the abortion clinic up for sale. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, and then also I hear uh, through a reliable source that um, one's also been introduced in Reading. Um, so so where, where pro-lifers are active, they're, they're, they were just coming in uh, thick and fast but but the issue with PSPOs is they have to be reviewed every two years um, and from my freedom of information request they cost around £17,000 to introduce mm. from and you've got mm. to basically ha- you've got to redo a consultation and you have to prove uh, that the issue is continuous detrimental and persisting mm. uh, uh, and so so they're quite uh, mm. they're quite um, cumbersome to introduce and, and mm. really and I think Stella mentions that that's why they want these nationwide yeah she, she really doesn't like yeah. the whole like, having to prove that there's actually a problem yeah thing. yeah <laughs> which 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 really I think runs against the Magna Carta uh, you know going back in common law I, I always thought until Stella's speech that you you have to prove that there is a crime before you can you know criminalize anyone no, that, that, uh, that's how we used to do things but it just yeah. it was so boring and yeah. laborsome having to prove crimes before convicting so yeah, it, was, uh, it was too kind of yeah it wasn't postmodern enough uh, <laughs> so so now we've got to the much more streamlined uh much more streamlined legal uh trajectory where you just you know uh you don't have to prove that something is happening but you just say it's happening and then you criminalize it um, yeah incredible it, it, I, I love the fact she literally stood up in parliament and, and actually admitted that in cold light of day you know the problem here is we had to find some evidence that women have been harassing and that's just not acceptable you know why should i have to find evidence <laughs> that there's something happening um but yes yeah, you also mentioned the expense which is interesting because um you've got a, a pspo on your head haven't you at the moment still is that right no no i don't uh, i don't i don't have a pspo i have a cpn which, oh, right. which which also flowed out of the same 2014 legislation, okay. uh, which is a community protection notice, kind of an ASBO reboot. Uh, but this really comes back to Stella, okay. uh, which is which is you know Stella makes this um, this kind of she proves more than ever how little interest she has in evidence, mm. um, and and she goes as far as to say, look, 
this legislation is very specific to this specific area outside of abortion clinics. But, you know, all the fair game, free mm. speech, you know, um, you know, holding public figures to account, that's still at play. You know, that's still at play in mm -hmm. society. Mm -hmm. And then she references us, um, not by name, uh, referring back to uh, the 2019 Stop Stella campaign that we ran in her constituency. And, and this, I, I feel, was one of the most remarkable parts of her speech, which was a total rewriting of yeah. history, something that the radical left are very good at doing. Um, but but this is this bit was crazy. And, and I, I can prove it with a series of tweets if you are interested. Yeah, so this is, yeah, you get those ready. So, so this is where Stella says, look, you know, I'm a public figure. I put myself up for debate. That's different. That's all f fine. That's fair game. You know, this is about outside clinics, but, you know, I'm a public figure and it, this law will not stop what happened to me. Uh, but what she fails to mention is that she still found a way to stop what was going on, even to the point of putting a sort of a sort of secular fatwa on you um, <laughs> to stop you. Well, even going into that whole area do, with, with any abortion related material. Is that right? You're, you're, you're not yeah, so, allowed to this day yeah, so, in Walthamstow. Well, let's let's let's. Let's um let's go back a step, right? right. Okay, so can can you see this yep, tweet? This here? Is good, yeah. Okay, so this so this is where um it, it began. So the Stop Seller campaign was was trialed in August and and September of of twenty uh twenty nineteen, um and but its real kind of um moment above the surface was we paid Clear Channel um for this advertisement. Mm -hmm. um, we never actually ended up paying them in the end, and you'll see why. Um, so we paid um, for this advertisement to go up in her um, constituency. It said nine-week living fetus. Uh, it had an image of a nine-week living fetus growing majestically in the womb. And then it had um, a URL, stopstella.com, in which are, are a whole compilation of evidence. Um, again, Stella doesn't love evidence that much of, of why we're running this campaign. Ever um, Stella's involvement with the Northern Irish uh, abortion amendment, um, her own contradictory statements about life in the womb etc all compiled in one place for people to check out in their own time this goes up stella then um tweets twitter can you get me the ceo of cc uk direct advertising how much how much did they get for this crap question mark and then she links in the police at met police still think this is just free speech in um speech marks and not harassment of women in wolvenstow question mark i'm sorry for the graphic images and, and then links in pretty patel I'm reaching out to you for help now. Okay, so this this was Stella responding to a um, to an advertising campaign, just one billboard in her constituency. That was on the 30th of September, 2019. Um, and what followed from this was was a maelstorm of of kind of media swell. Independent Labour MP Stella Creasy harassed and intimidated by anti-abortion activists. Right. Stella then um, later tweets this, and quote, Wolverhamstow won't be bullied by anyone, least of all anti-choice types who think my pregnancy their business, asking you to help me stand up to them peacefully. If you see them, please don't engage, but report them both, report them as both police and council clear will act to stop this harassment, right? And then if you see underneath this quote, people listening, it then says um, at CBR UK, your account is temporarily unavailable because it violates the Twitter media policy, learn more. Okay, so so what we had uh, was, was her kicking off about the billboard, which was subsequently painted over and the advertising company uh, uh, apologized. We had CBR UK 
immediately um, blocked uh, from Twitter. And then um, Stella um, informing her constituents, and she did this at a number of times, that, that if they even saw us in their constituency, uh, that um, they should report us to the police or to the council as harassment and intimidation. So what you see is the same ideologies at play outside of abortion clinics with this, your very presence um, uh, is, is harassment and intimidation, mm. was being played out in her own constituency. Uh, and you uh, um, mentioning this stuff um, in back in the um, Commons, in which she she just said this stuff as if harassment and intimidation uh, were were going on. So let me just play this. Let me just um, change my audio settings just for a moment and um, show you uh, what uh, Stella says. an organisation calling itself the Centre for Bioethical Reform UK has been waging a campaign of intimidation and harassment against myself and by extension my constituents in Walthamstow. Um, as you can see, right, we do a campaign, goes live on Twitter, advertisement gets taken down, we get kicked off Twitter, right? She then says to her, to the, all the elected members that she's been systematically harassed and oppressed in her constituency, right? And then, here's another crucial bit. She then um, kind of takes the Twitter sphere to, to complain whenever we return. So on the 3rd of October, right, uh, she wrote this, Wolverhamstow, full stop. I know CBR UK are back again today at, in our town centre to continue that campaign of harassment. I'm asking you again not to engage with them and letting you know that at um, Wolverham Forest Council will be taking action. Thank you for your concerns and continued support against this. Okay, so so this was at about 11.31. We um, conducted a display shortly after this, right? And we went to the city centre. And as soon as we set up in the city centre, it was like, uh, like it was, it, it was kind of like a scene from kind of one of Hogarth's uh, kind of etching. Like pe people were screaming at us, yelling at us, saying, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Like, why are you here? Like, we don't want you here. There's one particularly uh, um, irate uh, mother wearing kind of this mustard top who was kind of really rowling up the crowd saying, like, we don't want you here. And what were they responding to? Well, they were responding to all the articles that they'd seen saying that some, you know, some people were coming into their constituency, engaging in harassment and intimidation with their, um, with their, uh, their, their MP, right? And by extension, them. <laughs> As, is what Stella does. So, so, so far from de-escalating the situation, far from um, maintaining the principles of uh, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, Stella just poured gasoline mm. um, on the fire. And and where was the aggression targeted? Um, you know, not you know, not against her. Where pe a few people sent her an email being like, "We really don't support your abortion policies," but against us who were trying to um, educate on it. Um, and so later on that day, and I'm only going to play this clip just for a short moment, uh, you'll just see, uh, you know, the frenzy that this led to with the council um, st literally stealing our um, possessions and then issuing me with a CPN, preventing me from, um, you know, holding any um, image of a living or dead baby, um, any large image of a living or dead baby within of, of Wolven Forest.
collection of the same large unborn images of unborn fetuses and or aborted fetuses on display. So that's been served with you now. Okay. So I'm going to ask you again that you please remove the Hang on, hang on. So, so you're saying this zone takes up the whole area of Wolverhamstone? That's correct. So Wolfen Forest? Yes, that's correct. Okay, quite right too. Right, okay. So can I respond? Um, so you just take your posters down and my, then you can respond. Excuse me, excuse me, no. 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 Um, so, so listen, listen to me, listen to me. I'm not sanctioning anyone taking anything yeah. down, okay? I just do not want people to start fighting over okay. this, okay? Not, I'm not, I'm here to keep, uh, to prevent a breach of the peace, okay? So anyone starts becoming violent, okay? That's when people start getting arrested, all right? Everyone heard that. Can you not take this down, please? We're not, we're not taking it down. We've... So you, you get you get the picture there, right? Um, Stella um, seemed to have some kind of prophetic intel, you know, before we even hit the ground that Wolven Forest Council were going to act. Wolven Forest Ca Council came out in force. There were like eight of them, right? They served me a CPN that had clearly been, you know, printed off, you know, drafted by some kind of legal team. Um, and then they subsequently closed us down, which which actually, and they confiscated our property, which is against the law that they didn't have the right to do to do that. All the while, the crowd being like, you know, jeering them on, you know. Um, so so for Stella to kind of um, come forward, let me just move forward. Um, council orders removal of anti-abortion poster targeting Stella Creasy. You know, that's the Guardian. We'll we'll be talking more about them in the next podcast. But but for Stella to somehow try to kind of um, get out her tipex and her fountain pen and, and start to, to, to suggest that she is some kind of bastion of free speech, that she believes that there is a place for free speech if you are a publicly elected figure that you can be criticised, is total nonsense. Because when she was criticised about um, this abortion issue, when she was held to account for this abortion issue with the Stop Stella campaign, which is telling you know constituents to, to exercise their democratic... Um, powers to try to stop her through voting credentials etc you know she came down with us uh with as much force as as her influence would allow um and it, and it didn't just stop with us right and it's the final tweet on this subject you know after we left um a month later inspired by our work the cpa and the christian parties alliance decided to take a um a campaign against Ella Creasy, um just to suggest that you know how well do you know your constituent or something like along those lines and detailing um some of Stella's policies on various aspects of abortion sexuality and, and targeting in particular the large um, Muslim population in Wolverhampton. Stella again hit um, uh, the Twitter sphere saying lots of residents getting in touch about the latest leaflet from CPA uh, being put through doors which contains disgusting and divisive material. Suffice to say, please email me your address if you receive this and are um, and please confirm you know um, please confirm this with uh, Met Police right. So so again. Um, you know, one of the criticisms 
on the CPA leaflet was actually, you know, Stella is willing to use uh, the police to close down political um, mm. criticism, right? Mm. And what does she do? <laughs> she reports CPA to the police again. Um, so, so this, I, you know, um, potentially, you know, this potentially this can all be just put down to baby brain. You know, uh, you know, she was pregnant at the time. She did give birth. We, um, CBR UK actually sent her a congratulatory text. We were delighted at the safe delivery of of Hetty, her baby. Um, uh, I don't think she wanted to hear that either. Um, uh, so, so we, so whilst all this stuff was going on, that you know, there's total inconsistency here. Um, and yeah, whether whether Stella is intentionally rewriting history or whether she's just she she's so um, caught up in her own victim mentality, um, she just can't see the way she's acting. I I, I reserve judgment on that. Um, certainly to suggest that we were using her baby, um, you know, uh, against her was was wrong. Was another false uh, claim in her in her speech because what all we were doing was showing Stella's contradictory attitudes between the way she viewed the baby that she wanted and the laws she was passing in Northern Ireland, which was permitting abortion up to 28 weeks. Um, and the way suggesting that we were kind of politicizing her baby, again, is a bit of a, a peculiar thing because if any current serving MP has ever used their baby as a political prop, um, Stella Creasy uh, is one of them. Um, Left-hand side, that was at her November um, victory, November 29 um, general election victory. Uh, she bought her baby in uh, for a speech on abortion in Northern Ireland, following up with the Northern Irish Secretary asking what's going on because she felt like her her bill was moving too slowly there. And then finally, she was reprimanded in on the in the top um, top right here for bringing her baby into the chamber. You know when uh, you know the House of Commons facilities um, allow for that. And finally, deliberately bringing her baby in for her parliamentary photo. So so clearly, she doesn't have an issue putting her baby in. And yet somehow was willing to kind of suggest that what we were doing uh, by by kind of um, referring to her uh, statements and contradictory statements regarding her own child uh, was somehow kind of um, wrong or or, mm. or out of place or kind of corrupt or immoral or etc. Mm. So 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 that that gives you a flavour of just yeah. um, you know of what really happened mm. in Walthamstow. Um, and yeah, sorry if you're listening to this on. On, on on Spotify, but I basically just showed a bunch of pictures of, of Stella wearing wearing her baby. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean it is it is a barrage of contradictions, isn't it? And unless anyone think we're we're reading too much into this, uh, Stella herself uh, admits that she is using her her baby to 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 provoke parliamentary debate. Uh, she said in in an article in the Guardian. Uh, the, the, the writer of the article says, turning up to debates now seems partly about signalling that she won't go quietly, even if it means, and then here's a quote from Stella, making people feel uncomfortable looking my kid in the eye. So so that's those are Stella's words, saying she is, she is forcing people to look at her baby because she's trying to make a point. And yet when we show people the unborn baby, mm. uh, she hits the roof. Uh, we're not allowed to make people uncomfortable, not least the very p politician who is promoting the baby genocide at that time in Northern Ireland, all we were doing was exposing her own policy to her constituents. We're saying, look, this is what your MP is standing for. And she experienced that as harassment. That only only sort of dictator type um, uh, overseers of injustice feel harassed when you show people the reality of what they're standing for. Mm. You know, if you've got nothing to hide, why would you feel harassed by people showing what you're standing for? But when you show the po policy that she was promoting, 
she claimed it was harassment we can't show the baby in the womb and yet she shows the baby outside the womb but really at the heart of this uh, and i think that in a sense the 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 source of all these contradictions is is the fundamental one that that stella is trying to support something as if it's healthcare when it's killing mm. she wants to be seen as being pro-mothers and pro-babies and yet she is the most anti-baby politician probably we have in the UK and I think this contradiction is is most clearly brought out uh, when she speaks as she has done publicly again this is not us trying to bring up her personal life uh, and exploit it in any way this is what she has offered in the public sphere uh, repeatedly when she's spoken about miscarriage uh, she's used one set of language and when she's spoken about abortion, she she shifts those goalposts very, very quickly. Let me quote to you again from an article in The, in the Guardian. And very sadly, um, uh, Stella has experienced uh, miscarriage. She's lost babies through miscarriage. And, um, and our heart certainly goes out to her on that. Some of us have experienced the same as well in our team. Um, but this is what she wrote in The Guardian or was quoted as saying in The Guardian uh, about... Uh, her miscarriages and and the fear of having another one when she was pregnant again i'm terrified because it is my body doing something that puts my baby at risk the longer a baby stays in the womb the better it is for it but if your womb is suddenly a toxic place dot 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 she trails off hmm. and what's really interesting here is and elsewhere she speaks about this kind of guilt miscarriage guilt as if you've harmed your own baby as if you know my body's killed my baby she will use the language of baby and risk and toxicity of the womb and danger and, and very much the life of the baby and the, and the fragility of that life. Mm. She'll use all of that language in the context of miscarriage. But as soon as you point out, as we have, and I, I'm now blocked by Stella on Twitter, so I can't point it out anymore. But as soon as you point out, well, hang on, it's that very same baby that is deliberately killed through what you call abortion. Now, you talk about this kind of um, uh, a sort of uh, an over-sensitive guilt, uh, uh, inappropriate guilt, as it were. Miscarriage is something that's inevitable. It's not caused by anything you do. It happens. And yet there's that temptation to feel, oh, was it something I did and so on. So she talks about the guilt, almost, as it were, of miscarriage, about her, her baby being in danger in her body. She even mm. used the language elsewhere of her body killing her baby. And yet when it comes to abortion, a total denial of the fact that that's what's actually happening mm. in those cases, not just in your mind, in your imagination, you're literally making your womb a toxic place. Mm. You're mm. literally killing the baby. Yeah. And yet she just changes goalposts. Oh, no, it's just about it's healthcare. It's a woman's choice and hits the roof. If anyone tries to point out the, uh, the, the sort of the, the lack of continuity between those, between those two things. Yeah, she I mean, even I... mentioned, I think, I don't know if you got the tweet there. She she even mentioned uh, as she was pregnant that she was at a stage where her baby could uh, listen to music and respond to it in the womb. At that very stage of pregnancy, babies can be tortured to death, lethal injection, surgical abortion. And and she refuses to acknowledge that the, the treacherous uh, discrepancy there. Yeah, I mean, she, I mean, I, I don't mean this. Uh, in any in in any nasty way i mean i'm only as enlightened as as um god has enabled me to be by an act of his mercy but but, but there is just this schizophrenicness to stella mm. like she mm. she literally 
you know, you, you, you know, if you were to metaphorically, you know, uh, you know, uh, put them in half, right? Metaphorically, I don't want to get done for any incitement of violence here. You know, the one half is kind of pro-maternity, mm. pro-mother's mm. rights, pro, mm. um, you know, uh, children in the womb, you know, empathetically uh, sympathizing with, if, with mums uh, who've gone through miscarriage, you know, um, and yet on the other hand, you know, she is the architect of, of mm. some of the most uh, aggressive mm. uh, and deadly pro-abortion laws uh, our country has known, Northern Ireland certainly, and now this gross imposition against free speech. So that there's clearly this, this gross, um, you know, uh, inconsistency here. And I think there's one quote, that, that one tweet that kind of stands out to me. And, and I think, you know, she basically once tweeted a um, video of this kind of black cat uh, that had somehow fallen off a kind of jetty into the sea and some uh, some lifeguards were kind of going to save the cat, right? And and as they did, this cat was going, really scratching, resisting, jumping on them, and, you know, really digging its claws in. And the, the lifeguards, were, the kind of coast guards, were desperately, thanks to their kind of thick, you know, waterproof material, were kind of fending this cat off. And she, she said something along the lines of, you know, uh, that's my inner spirit right there, you know. And, and I think she, spiritually, I th I, you know, I just see that kind of, you know, that just unwillingness to be be kind of saved you know that unwillingness to want to submit to a a law that um you know god's law that will bring consistency because we're all totally inconsistent without god's law you know working uh in our hearts you know so it's like i i just you know if if there's one application uh from listening to this if you're persuaded by the evidence that we've put forward about stella then please pray for her you know please mm. pray for her um, and her husband and her two kids, um, you know, because clearly, you know, there, there, there's an incompatibility here that, 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 you know, may, you know, slip out of joint in this life, but will certainly uh, have, have awful, awful consequences if mm. she stands before the Lord um, on the day of judgment on this stuff. So please, you know, um, you know, she's clearly a talented and erudite politician, but, but, but using it for all the wrong reasons, mm. it feels like. Mm. Um, and and this latest imposition just being one of them. Um, mm. Yet, you know, Dave, I have to say, I do rejoice because you know, all these people are simply tools in the Lord's hands, and 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 whether she legislates for good or for evil, you know, we 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 know that we'll be able to say, you know, what Stella intended for evil, God intended for good, mm. and mm. and for the saving of many lives, most mm. most importantly. So mm. so I do see, you know, I I see I can see this working out either way you know, either in her glorious, um, you know, repentance and coming to faith or, or maybe, maybe, maybe um, doubling down like Pharaoh did on some of this stuff, but, but ultimately it'll be far glory and, and an opportunity for us as the church to shine. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. And I think we, we mentioned the canary in the, in the mine earlier on with regard to this, um, this law itself, but also as a politician, as a, as a, as a persona, uh, a public figure, Stella is in a sense a, a canary in the mine in that we, we see, because she's so outspoken, we see in her and we, we hear from her an articulation of the insanity that's actually everywhere in our society. It's just people don't always have the opportunity to or, or, or the, the will to stand up in Parliament and say it out loud. But in in her bundle of contradictions, we actually see in a very obvious way um 
that, that the reality we, we read about, for example, in Romans chapter one, that, that God is handing over and has handed over um, people to their uh, to, to the futility of their thinking, you know, thinking that they are wise, they became fools. And this is what happens when we exchange the glory of God for a lie. We exchange the truth of God uh, and worship created things instead. One of the effects of that, and it's only one, is is the the falling apart of our of our thinking. We we, we say things that 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 contradict one another, uh, in in some cases several times within the space of of ten minutes. And I think it's important for those who as you say, by God's grace, have, have had their eyes uh, enlightened. It's important for us to pay attention to this, to notice it, uh, and to see, uh, for, for at least a couple of reasons. One is, there's an opportunity here for us to rise up and be the voice of truth and reason and consistency, honesty, integrity, that we actually look at the facts and we speak uh, the truth about what's going on courageously, whatever the cost. We don't massage reality to try and suit our own ends. There's, the, there's an opportunity here in a nation that is desperate for truth, in a nation that is sick of being lied to, that's sick of broken promises. There's an opportunity for the church to be very different, to be salty and light and, uh, and, and to commend the truth of the gospel by showing that we have a handle on truth generally and that we are, have the courage to stand on on truth and I think there's an opportunity there for the church to find her voice and to be those people of truth that pillar of truth mm. uh, that we're called uh, to be not just for the sake of those who need um, that representation the, the unborn children the mothers who need that witness of truth and justice to protect their their physical lives uh, but also we can we can point to uh, the beauty and the integrity um, the truthfulness of um, the gospel, uh, which which should be shining brighter and brighter in this dark age, but only if we're going to take the covers off and let it shine. Mm. And, and, we, and so we've got to be engaging on things like this in the public space. Um, just want to, as we kind of come to a close here, I, I just want to make sure that um, something is made very clear, which is, uh, and we we hear this all the time, Anyone who stands up to oppose free speech tends to begin by saying, I'm all in favor of free speech. They tend to say, now this isn't an attack on free speech. Mm. And and Stella does exactly that. She says, you know, this doesn't stop free speech, for example, against me. We've seen how much that was a lie. And and we see, therefore, that when 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 these anti-free speeches um, make that claim, look, we, this is about balance, about preserving free speech, just about time and place. Well, time and place is everything. Mm. Because as these spaces grow in which certain opinions or information or even assembly prayer aren't allowed, as those spaces grow, before long, we're going to end up in a situation where the only place where you're allowed to do these things is in a, you know, facing some hedgerow in a, in a field in rural Norfolk where, of course, mm. no one can hear you. So it makes all the difference. Where you can do things is pretty critical. Mm. Um, in the same way that being able to speak in certain issues is pretty critical. It's, it, it, you can't just say, well, we believe in free speech, just not on this issue. Mm. So it's really important that we're awake to this because as free speech, I mean, this is a, a serious crackdown on free speech. As free speech goes, in a sense, that's, the, that's the, the ultimate lie because it's removing the very mechanism by which truth can get out. Mm. If you can censor so um, finally, then that there isn't even an opportunity for people to weigh up differing 
uh, accounts of things or opinions and make up their own minds. So what we're seeing here is a kind of soft totalitarianism, which then sort of grew into a sort of guerrilla warfare totalitarianism in the case of Stella Creasy kind of you know, bending local rules to get rid of things she didn't like. But now it's moved to a very hard and national totalitarianism where freedom of speech all over the country is being seriously attacked. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we should understand that. Um, I just want to uh, bring up a couple of uh, verses um, by way of closing from Isaiah 59. Uh, this is Isaiah 59, uh, starting at verse 14. So justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. We're now seeing that become a legal reality. Mm. Truth is stumbling in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. It is not given access. But what's interesting is what comes next in that Isaiah passage. Um and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm works salvation for him. I believe the Lord is looking still today for those who will stand up and intervene, who won't just accept this status quo of raging injustice and creeping totalitarianism. He's looking for people who are going to stand up and be those people of truth and justice. And he is displeased when there's no one and the truth of the matter is yes this law is potentially going through that's going to ban witness outside abortion clinics across the land but but the vast majority contrary to what Stella claims the vast majority of these clinics are totally unattended not because it's been illegal up till now but because those who are apparently notionally pro-life haven't been there mm. and so we haven't even used the freedoms that we do have that we still mm. have until this law is passed to be that witness uh to be that help that last ditch offer of life-affirming support and and that displeases the lord it, we have a duty there's a mandate to actively stand up uh to pursue justice to plead for the fatherless and that's mm. what we're talking about here it's pleading this is not just political sort of fringe hobby horse stuff this is core discipleship it's about pleading the cause of the fatherless it's about pure uh, religion that God our Father accepts as faultless is mm. to is to visit the orphan and widow in their distress, and and that's what's being made illegal as we speak. But even whilst it is still legal, are we availing ourselves of the ability to do those things? Um, Christian, thank you so much for no worries. Um, Good your, quote there. Your, your time and uh, your sharing your experience and. Um, just by way of a, a teaser for next week, because we are um, we are well, going to be continuing uh, considering the way in which the Guardian, in well, particular, speaks is, into this issue. Tell this us is, a bit about your correspondence with the Guardian. Well, listen, I'm not going to give anything too much away because I want you to listen to our next correspondent. But having spent the last hour talking about Stella Creasy, we actually do have uh, one piece of private communication between what was meant to be a Guardian journalist and Stella Creasy. So if you want to know... But they sent it to you by, by But accident. they sent it to me by accident. <laughs> Big regret. So if you want to know what was on that text and the conversation that has been going going on behind closed doors between the likes of The Guardian and Stella Creasy, then you're going to have to join us on next week's podcast too as we address the role of The Guardian in promoting abortion internationally and certainly in our country. Well, I definitely want to join next week to hear 
um, what the so-called fiercely independent uh, Guardian uh, has to say behind closed doors. Thank you, Christian. And thank you to everyone who's been listening in. Do um, all the usual, comment, share, like, etc. Please do share this with with others. Um, this is not what people are going to be getting in their mainstream news outlets, but this is far more important than whether or not Rishi Sunak is going uh, to um, the next COP. So um, please do share. And maybe, we'll see you again next maybe, week. Maybe Rishi can be persuaded to go to Fair COP conference instead uh, that's not a bad I idea. Feel like, I feel like that may have far greater, you know, relevance to the, the health of the nation. Um. Brilliant. Okay. See you next week.